Hi. Hey. Welcome to this week's broadcast. Podcast. Aircast. They both, they all work. Yes. That's the nice thing about all these cast things. You can just do just about anything you want. No. Almost. This is, this is uh, the week after Labor Day. Yes. And, you know, I think our Labor Day uh, podcast didn't hit very many high points, I don't think. No, it was pretty depressing. <laughs> and I think we should probably try and do maybe a little bit better this week. Yeah. There's got to be some high points here somewhere. Okay. What's what's the high point for this week, Bob? Well, I think this week we should be talking about the lack or the loss of democracy and the move to idiocracy. Idiocracy? Yes. Oh, is there such a word? Apparently, if you Google it, it comes up. Okay. And, it, it, and if you look at the definition, it sure <laughs> hits a lot of buttons. Before we move on to tell our our viewers, if you like what you do, to subscribe, please push the subscribe button, and do give us a like. It's mm -hmm. a button somewhere. It's different on Rumble and it's different on on YouTube, but they both have buttons you can push. So we'd appreciate it. So we want to know if anybody's actually listening to what we have to say. Well, that's what I say. We've got to make it a little bit lighter. There yes. might have been some people looking for blunt razor blades and hot water last week, but yeah, well, <laughs> idiocracy. Well, it was certainly interesting. The uh, what'd you say? There was another word that that you saw was merit, not meritocracy. Merit meritocracy or something, wasn't it? We were talking about pre-production. How that whole thing of you you earn things because you deserved it, not because you fit a particular set of blocks or check marks or tick marks. Right, because merit is not in. Mm -hmm. What it was, and I, well, yeah, because it was we, we we were looking at that report by two researchers uh, on the immigration. Uh, uh, and we'll preface that. Yeah, preface that with looking at the immigration process in Canada. Right, which apparently is uh, too merit-based for these two characters. Yes, and it was one of those things where they uh, didn't quite understand, but it probably had something to do with being too radical or too right-wing or too, uh, too conservative. You, you're not looking at screening people in because they meet requirements it was just it's just maybe a little bit of the woke nonsense on that as well well it's uh the woke part was was that's by the way that just to put the lightness into the uh discussion that noise you hear is my dogs running around with a squeaky toy <laughs> As you can see, we're we're having a slow day in news today. Yeah. Uh, but the one that was interesting for the uh, meritocracy was this uh, business that if we were to continue to 
select people based on their skill, education, uh, language abilities, language motivation, uh, and so forth, or even relations already. Yeah. yeah, that that's not a good idea, apparently. No, that, you know, I, maybe maybe they're time travelers and they know better. I don't know, but it sure doesn't seem to be a good. Well, they're they're. Uh, I'm just pulling it up here because I had to I had to read this because it's 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 uh, so avant garde. I guess is the word I'm looking for. But these two researchers are called uh, Tanny and Kaiser. And they have reached the conclusion that in the U.S., successful immigrants feel threatened by later immigrants who arrive in an unruly, unlimited way and who might attract negative attention to the entire group. And they, they base this uh, theory on the World Value Survey, which suggests that anti-immigrant views among American immigrants concern unemployment, crime, and a terrorism risk in particular. Uh, reading their paper, one begins to wonder if it would be more pertinent to Canada than the US, because in, in their uh, view, one answer would be to preserve the remorseless, quasi-meritocratic, that's a new word for it, Bob, meritocratic selectivity of our immigration policy so that people continue to support it. In other words, you may not know this, but Canada's points-based immigration system uh, traditionally made Canada an idol of right-wing U.S. immigration reformers who would otherwise dismiss Canada as full of socialist creeps and drones. So <laughs> apparently uh, this uh, lack of selectivity and basically kicking the, the, the door wide open uh, to, uh, at the border to immigration so that anybody who whether they are or not refugees or whether they are or not students and this new guest worker group uh, will be very much welcome to fill in jobs that no one else wants to do. But it says that this loose policy probably has a secret intention of creating more Canadian liberal voters. Uh, but brothers and sisters, that is absolutely not the way it's necessarily going to work out, according to Colby Cash of the National Post. So... <laughs> What do you think of that? Wonder if their student debts are paid off. Have I got you? Have you, have you been boondoggled yet? Is that's that's a boondoggle? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it, essentially, these two uh, researchers think that no rules is the best way to function in a society. Mm -hmm. So if there's no rules inbound to to immigrants, migrants, refugees, whatever, because they, they, they're not going to be subject to rules, then there are not going to be any rules when you're already inside the, uh, the country, right? Well, and I guess that's, that's where we, well, at least where I was thinking when we started this, is it seems to be that the idiocracy is well entrenched. Here's to be. The other one is just, again, an, an immigration, migration, refugee, students issue that came up this week, post Labor Day, uh, is uh, Canada has something in the order of 900,000 students in the country at the moment. 
The big problem, of course, is that uh, they're running into the same issue that ordinary Canadians are running into, which is the cost of living going straight up, despite the fact the economy is booming. And uh, housing is uh, not there mm-hmm. right? yeah. uh, to, to house them. And they have discovered that it costs money to travel in Canada eat in Canada. Yeah. And they and a lot of these students have been basically hoodwinked into coming here, paying lots of money for a tuition at various mm-hmm. learning institutions, some less learning, more predatory than teaching. And uh, they're now having to complain to whoever will listen that uh, they didn't expect to pay so much for housing here and that they should be subsidized by the Canadian government or the province or the municipality because they were essentially conned into this and it's not fair. You know, they're spending enormous amounts of money to attend these these colleges and universities and and trade things, uh, uh, trade schools, and they can't afford housing. And... To make matters worse, they're being uh, coached to go to food banks uh, by some of these same groups that conned them into coming to Canada uh, because they can't, they don't have any money. So Yeah. Well, I guess in in, in keeping with the the theme, uh, this goes back many, many years, and I can't say that I'm old enough really to remember the voting process and the uh, gnashing of teeth to try and get Newfoundland to join the Confederation. And the guy that eventually did manage that, uh, Smallwood. Yes. His name. Joey Smallwood. Joey Smallwood. He was once rumored to have been talking to a bunch of people about this whole issue and what it would be good for, bad for, for Canada. And how he these people should go and vote. And they said, but we don't even live in Newfoundland. We're just visitors. It doesn't matter. Let me give me five minutes and I'll figure out a way for you to drop a vote. And I wonder if that's really where this is going with these, you know, these people wanting like the government's got to do this. And, and with the idiocracy that's running the place, are they well, thinking that we'll give them the money and then they'll vote for us? Well, there's, there's, there's things that this past week, since the Labor Day pressing broadcast, was the cost of living continues to rise. The Bank of Canada raised interest rates, which immediately has a dampening effect on inflation, but it also kills the value of the dollar because if other jurisdictions raise interest rates, Canada's dollar will decline against it. So the cost of purchasing stuff, which is a great percentage of our economies linked to the American economy in, in, in exports and imports. Well, we're going to, as a Canada, will be hammered uh, financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have that. Then you have the idiocracy of filling the uh, uh, lifeboat of the immigration lifeboat with even more people. The logic being with these fools that if you put more people into the lifeboat, it it won't sink. Well, that's quite, you know, that's ill. That's so illogical. But that's what they're doing, and they're and they're making up stories about how 
if we have enough people here, it will make Canada a rich country. Well, here's, here's a, an idea. If we use that logic, then India and China would have to be the richest countries on earth because they have over a billion people each. Mm -hmm. So if, if that's how you generate wealth, then uh, great. But you know what? It doesn't look like it works out. Well, either that, or maybe as we had uh, had some discussions on before, maybe maybe it's the uh, the precursor to try and get a uh, a North American economic union going, where we're all thinking on the same page, and you know we take the three hundred and sixty million Americans and uh, forty million Canadians, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know how many people are in Mexico. Think, yeah, I, I I think sixty or eighty. I'd have to look it up on the fly here, but okay. Yeah, so now we're getting very, very close to having maybe a half a billion people in this economic zone. Would that make us any better? Yeah, and uh, if this economic zone, which would essentially negate any sovereignty between the three countries, mm -hmm. uh, well, then under what rubric of democracy would we function? Okay, so you, uh, this would be interesting, right? Well, it would be. I mean, in Canada, we've been running on the Ali Ali Oxen Free uh, program for a long time, but yeah, uh, which which is called the parliamentary system, where you have somebody here who has twenty eight percent of the popular vote running a country, <laughs> and of that twenty eight percent of the popular vote, probably eighty percent comes from one particular province, so. Yes, and then you have uh, the, the great constitutional republic, which apparently its constitution is being changed monthly, or at least appears to be, and being challenged in mean, the, the, the land of the lawsuits, right, because of that approach. And then our, our friends in Mexico who are, according to uh, many, is nothing more than a, a, a criminal state. Uh, run by uh, crime bosses. Uh, you know, the president of uh, Mexico might disagree with that, but uh, I've heard, as yeah. well, I'm sure you have too, is that one of the biggest problems with the uh, U.S.-Mexican relations, apart from the open border, which is not Mexico's fault. If, you, if, if your neighbor left his door open and all your other neighbors went through his house, you know, well, why would I stop them would be the mm. logic there. Yeah. Fentanyl the business, which is apparently killing uh, thousands of people every month in, in the U.S. and Canada for that matter. Like you were telling me that in British Columbia, the, the number of people dying from drug overdoses yeah over six a day yeah yeah over okay so the the way to solve that problem according to certain quarters in the u.s is to having having the marines land in various places and by black hawk helicopters and taking out the cartel leadership i don't know if anybody asked president of mexico whether he thought that was a good idea well, yeah and, you know, you sit back and you think, well, you know, it, it might seem like a good idea uh, at the time. Maybe it wouldn't work out quite that well. But you got to sit back and think, well, if Mexico's president is 
content to have his country run the way he is, uh, perhaps he's being honest. And <laughs> I mean, I, are the criminals that are in the United States and in Canada that are behind government uh, still operating behind a curtain or you know the the veil of secrecy or whatever it is, and we're just not acknowledging it? I don't know. I'm afraid that uh, given the current environment of the justice system and how it functions, the law enforcement system, how it carries out its responsibilities in the U.S. primarily, but also to some extent in Canada, leaves a lot to be desired. You can't exactly go around pontificating about how laws should be enforced when we ourselves, both these countries, at the moment, have kind of a checkered way of doing it. Well, and, and that's true, and, and at the risk of sounding perhaps uh, um, too, too right-wing, why is it that we have two people who have been charged with not even a criminal offense going to a court system where one of the people that have been charged has spent more time in jail than the average criminal has spent in any jurisdiction in the country. It, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, uh, no. And, <laughs> and whether you uh, are a proponent of the left or the right, particularly in the United States, it seems that there's... So I have to be careful, choose my words here. When you take the justice system to try and take out your political enemies, whether you like them or not, that does not bode well for- On either side of the, the coin. Because if, if, if my side can do it to you, your side's gonna do it to me. <laughs> you know? And yeah. that is, uh, that's what, that happens in really third rate, third world countries, not in sophisticated, no democracies. So they're and playing with a box of matches. These guys, so-called politicians, these well, octogenarians yeah. who are scary. And I have to say, maybe, maybe they're actually playing with that box of matches inside of a gas-filled room. I mean, it. Yeah. it, it it's not going to bode well. Uh, and I don't care whether you're on the left side of the coin or the right side of the coin. When you start dealing with issues that become political, and in, again, whether you agree with the Freedom Convoy or whether you disagree with the Freedom Convoy that went on in Canada, uh, taking these people to court for basically demonstrating and then trying to manufacture cause against that you're politicizing the courts, and where does that stop? Well, you know, who, who's going to decide what is correct or incorrect? Or you know, they, are we going into the the thought police where you know we think you're going to do this, so you're going to be convicted and sent well, away? Well, in fact, some of these cases are based on the, the that particular uh, theory that you know you're guilty by thinking about doing something. Well, if I, if you, you know, I, I, I was thinking about robbing the bank, but man, I decided not. To. Yeah, but you thought about it, so you're going to jail. Really? Okay, this is where Huxley and Orwell come a hmm. convergence here between these two 
uh, authors of many decades ago who painted a, a pretty dystopian place. And this is all coming to to fruition here with some of the yeah. crazy stuff that when you when you weaponize law enforcement and you and you essentially corrupt the justice system for political purposes, that does not end well. No, no. Uh, and again, you, uh, we're just two guys. You know, we're not lawyers. We're not even, you know, just observers. Well, you had mentioned, you had mentioned in, in pre-production, we are retired and we do have more time on our hands, maybe, than, than what the average junkie public does. So we can look at things. We can read things. You were talking about reading Churchill's book of how how did Britain get sucked into the Second World War, which led into, you know, the the Kennedy book, which said, yeah, you got sucked in because of. And, and are we doing the same thing here? There's lots of books out there and lots of history out there where you can look at what has transpired in the past and transpose it into what we are doing and, and how that's going to look to generations down the road, right? I mean, it it, uh, it reminds me of a story we were talking with friends of ours about the uh, the huge fire that was in Lahaina. And there had been fires there before. And when our friends were there, they were watching the firefighting activities going on and you know, the, the helicopters coming in, filling up with water and going over and dousing the, the flames. And the friends were all law enforcement and, and there's a lot of, dare I say, it, there's a lot of black humor that goes on in law enforcement because that's sometimes the way it can be dealt with. Yes. And the comment on this was, is what happens if they go out there and they scoop up a guy who's scuba diving and then they throw him over this fire and, you know, if it, nobody knows, nobody figures out, but a hundred years from now, somebody is going to be looking at this. And they're going to come across this scuba diver who's 450 feet up the cliff. And they're going to jump to the conclusion that sea levels in the uh, late 1990s and early 2000s was at least 450 feet higher than it is now. <laughs> you know, we, we just don't, we don't think of what we're doing and, and how it's going to be processed in the future because... <laughs> We tend to base things on what we we think we know, not what we actually know. Yeah, and we also get caught up in our own hubris, particularly mm -hmm. about issues that uh, we would rather not confront, but in fact bury it with the uh, lies, uh, misinformation, disinformation. The best misinformation, disinformation. It's called propaganda, which comes out of the mouths of spokespersons in government and corporations. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you don't want to be too cynical, but the, the fire in Hawaii is a classic example of, of a, a mystery that deepens with every passing day. And not the mainstream media talks about it, but you have to go on the Internet and discover that the people are asking questions and they're not getting answers from the people who should be giving them honest, mm -hmm. transparent uh, responses. Yeah. Uh, so well, that's, a, 
but that's a bit like our discussion last week in John Q. Public and where where did that term come from? And and I think I've been thinking about it more, I guess. And and before John Q. Public was the Q was the public was pretty quiet. They listened to what was going on and they didn't question. And now I think it's turning around that the people are starting to think. I don't think we can trust these people and we have to start asking questions again. No. And you know, history, apart from the, the kind that we'll talk about with regard to Churchill's book and Kennedy's book in the forties and thirties is the culture of, of movies uh, of the thirties and forties. And that to me, there are two movies that are old black and white movies. One is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which really does resonate with me in many ways. If you look at what's happening today, <coughs> excuse me, because the corruption, it's evident. Uh, you know, while that was a, a, a movie, you know, not supposed to represent real people it's fictional and coincidental and all those other words used on movies you know at the beginning or the end uh, it was was really on the, on the money uh for its time but i think it's mm -hmm. worth looking at today and mm -hmm. <clears throat> in, in, in that context and the other movie is gaslight which is also from that era about how mm. how you drive people towards a certain uh what? position or mm -hmm. way of thinking, you know. Uh, these are two movies which, okay, they're 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 entertainment, but under that veneer of entertainment are some real ugly truths. Well, that's true. Yeah, and it's, it used to be like the, the TV shows, right? Uh, Joe Friday. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be changing the names anymore. Maybe we should just you know, let everybody's dirty laundry be aired. Well, yeah, but some of it's so salacious, and, and and who cares? You know, I mean, we 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 really have sometimes dredged up sewer stuff, uh, <clears> in, <throat> in supposedly in the interests of of truth, and when in many cases that's not what it's for. It's 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 basically to bait click material on the internet or sell movies or what have you. I don't know. Um, but it's uh, it's clearly uh, uh, an issue where we need to press for more honesty, transparency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, maybe maybe Mr. Smith will go to Washington. Maybe people will understand what gaslighting means in the context of that movie and how we're getting gaslight get gaslit every day here. The other one is the is like you know, like you know, the word hubris, which is well known. Um, you know, we we have to stop thinking, particularly in in the context of North America and perhaps even the European Union countries, that we aren't we don't have all the answers. We're not no. the smartest on the block anymore. We're not the most powerful anymore. We we have squandered a lot of that over the last few decades in the name of equity and solidarity and, and in inclusion and diversity and all, you, you know, this is, we are no longer that which 
uh, you know, was seen as the shiny light on the hill for the uh, poor and the, the oppressed and whatever. It's just we're not there anymore. You know, we're, we're, we've got to we need to move back towards that. But it mm -hmm. requires some serious uh, rethink going forward and some hard work. Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. It actually means that uh, we're going to have to get down, roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty. You know, and, and, and that's and, something yeah. that is not happening, uh, at least uh, not in, in our neighborhood. Not by our neighborhood, I mean, this, the Western world seems to think that we can continue to live off the avails of, of low paid Asians or South Americans or whatever, uh, and then get, get our, our noses out of joint when suddenly you discover that they make better cell phones than we do. Or they, they drive better cars than we do, we being the collective West. Or that, you know, countries like uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia decide that well, we're not going to pump as much oil, so now it's going to cost us more money, and we don't have any oil. Well, what do you mean we don't have? We, there's all kinds of energy here, but we've decided for... Expedience. Well, you know, the, the, the various cults, whether it's the ones who make money, by jacking up the price of the ones who think when you save the planet by taxing everyone into into poverty you know this is this is all man-made nonsense that we've we've foisted upon ourselves mm -hmm. and then we get all worked up over you know the coalition of other countries who go you know what we don't need your movies we don't need your 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 politics we don't need your your expertise India puts a, a satellite on the south pole of of, uh, of the moon, okay, and it hardly makes any news. This is a these people are not running around in sandals and and loincloths, you know. These are these are countries that are basically beating a path to the future while we're sitting around navel gazing, and so. Uh, you know, worse yet, we're pontificating about nasal gazing. That's right. I thought we were going to make this an upbeat show today. Well, I think it is. I think you're you're hitting on the right thing there. So that one, we have to get down, get dirty, get our own hands dirty, and two, we're going to have to start looking outside of our own realm and comfort zone into um, how are these other places doing what they're doing, uh, and, and seem to be doing it quite well. You know. Uh, and we have to come, I think the other thing is that we have to understand that you don't solve everything with your neighbor by beating up your neighbor. Mm -hmm. this is, yeah. we, we have to find the art of compromise again, whether it's internally between the left and the right politically or with our neighbors around the world. You know, this is this really truly yeah. is a multipolar world. And mm -hmm. the old institutions like the UN, they don't grasp this. They no. seem to have gone to a single track, and be, despite the fact that you have a myriad of flagpoles with flags on it. But in fact, they're trying to make them all the same. And, mm -hmm. and, and those have to coalesce around one or two or three, and that's how it's got to work. This is, this is, a, this is a, yeah. a recipe for disaster. Well, it is. And, you know, good old Carl Sagan and the pale blue dot. I mean, just look at, look at the whole overall scheme of things <laughs> really we can have eight ten twelve billion people on this little little orb 
but in the overall scheme of things, if we don't work together, we don't get along together, then we'll just prove just how insignificant we are in the overall scheme of things. That's true. In fact, my, my youngest grandson, we have a joke about, you know, science and, and how the, what's the earth, what was the earth called before we called it earth? And, and he came up with the dirt ball floating through space. And then the dirt ball said, you know, and who, who, so who's on the dirt ball? Well, dirt bags are on the dirt ball, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny with, you know, talking with the, the young 10 year old or 12 year old about that, but, you know, in a sense, we have to, we have to look out for this. This is the only dirt ball we got. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And uh, we need to deal with the dirt bags that are, are, are basically uh, ruining it for uh, those 12 billion or how many billion we got on the planet. Mm -hmm. It needs to be fixed and we need yeah. to get to, need to move to a more principled, transparent, and we got to stop hating each other. This has got to Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, we got to, we got to work together, start working together. Like if, <clears throat> if India can put, the man, uh, the 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 next man on the moon, and China can do that with nanotechnology that is a little bit superior. Then, could you imagine? Could you just think for a moment if we could amalgamate all this technology? Yeah. What, what good it would do? Stop yeah. the hubris, because uh, you know, yesterday I I read that. Uh, Chinese government has banned the use of iPhones by anybody who works for the, the government. But that wasn't the big story. The big story is they're replacing it with a phone that is far superior to any iPhone that exists right now. They've come up with a chip which is uh, so, supposedly so advanced that it has a, the tech world and in, in, in Western governments rattled because how did they get how did they get the technology to make a phone that has a chip in it that they haven't figured out how to make here yet? Like, mm -hmm. how is that possible? Of course, the, the hubris again is how dare they do that? You know? Yeah. The reality should be, gosh, that's really good. Now, if we had some of that technology mm -hmm. and we could put some of our technology together, Maybe maybe we would come up with that warp speeds that were on Star Trek and <laughs> spent less time figuring out how to blow each other up and so yeah. we know how yeah. to communicate. So uh, anyway, it's uh, that, that's 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 kind of the optimism that we have to have going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm pretty sure that well, I don't know. I I I I did I. I'm very hesitant to say how much worse can it get because, as I said before, I, I think there are people out there taking that as a challenge. But I'd like to think that we are moving more towards humanist, I guess. It really doesn't matter where you belong on this planet. You're all part of the planet, and we got to start working together to get it on track again. Yeah, yeah. With, with this... this uh... This uh, polarization has to stop. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a mosaic. It's got to be different dots being connected. As as we spoke last week, if if uh, our uh, southern global competitors can talk to each other who have had 
disagreements for literally centuries in some cases mm-hmm. and can come together, together. Yeah. then, you know, our, all our hubris and all our historical nonsense going back about how we're as a collective West smarter than anybody else. This guy, we got to stop this. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, uh, doesn't do us any good. Anyway, that's, a, that's intellectually for us to do oh, that deep. We're going to lose a way, <laughs> lose people. Or, wow, my head's exploding. What are these guys talking about? It reminds me of the Gary Larson cartoon. Excuse me, Mr. Smith. The kid sitting in the front of the classroom says, can I be excused? My brain is full. (laughs) (laughs) And that's probably... (laughs) I think we might. I, mine's almost full now. I think. Uh, I think so. And we were and we were going to do a short show today. <laughs> we're just about at the end of the line here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're coming up there. So anyway, yeah, I I, I hope we've made it a little lighter for people. And yeah, please hit the like buttons and subscribe. Indeed, we value your opinions. Like I said, we'll be doing our our little com- comparison between nineteen. 19- 30s and 40s and and today in the next broadcast hopefully rather than one after that all right all right gotta go talk to you soon yeah take care